0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com.
1: To the book of Galatians we go, and we are in a summer series, and we kind of had fun with the title. And if, if, if you felt the heat in the last few days, you'll appreciate our series title for the month of July, and that is Tips For a cooler summer. How many of you can handle a cooler summer? Well, unfortunately, we can't handle the temperature outside, but we definitely can handle the temperature in our spirit and in our heart and in our emotion. And last Sunday, I preached maybe one of my favorite sermons, I think, and it was simply entitled, Keep Calm. Everybody say, Keep Calm and Live by Faith. And we talked about... Let not your heart be troubled. Just keep calm and let faith be your guide. Well, today, today's going to be a message that I honestly feel might be the most important message for a few of you that you've ever heard. Today very well could be the message that will get you through not just A day or two, but this message very well could be the thing that will keep you, that will keep you during the heat of this thing called life. And you've been sweating, you've been sweating some things. And I believe with all my heart, right from the book of Galatians, I think you're going to find a cooling, a calming word from the Lord. And my subtopic today is be life-giving Not religious. Be life-giving. Not religious. We're going to get to Galatians shortly. I want to open up with a quick story that recently happened to me. I was recently in a gymnasium watching some coaching. And I watched with my own eyes and heard it with my own ears. Two separate methods of coaching. Coaching the same students or players. Coaching the same sport with the same amount of time. And I sat quietly and I watched it all unfold. And I want you to hear this little quick story to help you understand where we're going in Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. I watched one style of coaching in the same gym Coaching the same sport, the same kids as someone else. But I watched this one particular style of coaching that went somewhat like this. It was loud. It was aggressive. This particular coaching method used intimidation. They spoke with sarcasm in a condescending tone of voice. I sat quietly and watched this method of coaching as they would belittle the player that would come up short of perfection. I watched this style of coaching put the spotlight on them and let it be known that they were much better at the sport than the players that they were trying to coach. I watched and listened and noticed that this particular method of coaching used fear as its greatest tool. But in the same gym, it's crazy, in the same gym, coaching the same people, coaching the same sport, there was a whole other method used. This particular coach took the approach of encouragement. This coach focused on the player's strengths rather than the player's weaknesses. This coach was patient while focusing on and hoping for improvement. This coach also, though, focused on comprehension. This coach was wanting so badly to see the players grow in their sport, but at the same time, The coach was more concerned about their character on the court than their performance of perfection. They gave clear instruction, clear expectation, and then lastly, they were very clearly in support of the player. So let's talk about the results of this because I sat there and was taking a mental note I wonder what the response to this coach is going to be versus the response to that coach is going to be. And I watched it happen. I watched it with my own eyes. The coach that used intimidation and fear and anger and just, you know, was just so full of, of fear tactics. The players were miserable. The players were tired. The players wanted to quit. But here's a word that I couldn't get out of my mind because I saw it on their little faces. They were insecure. And they regretted ever even giving that sport a chance. But those players of the other coach were so enthusiastic. They were so energetic. They were so happy to be there. And any kind of improvement They celebrated as a group the improvement of their individuals that they were spending time with on the court. They made a big deal out of a a, a job well done. They celebrated that. And then what I also noticed is that group would run through a brick wall for that coach. They just wanted to please that coach so badly. They wanted to do anything and everything that that positive coach wanted them to do. Ladies and gentlemen, my Topic today is not necessarily about a ball team, but it's about the church. And my call on you today is to spend your life in the shade of God's grace and out of the heat and the hot sun of legalism. Stay in the shade, the cooling shade of God's grace rather than exposing yourself to the hot heat and exhaustion that legalism produces. Now, I've already told some friends of mine, Gary and Gracie, that are visiting with me today as my personal guest. I already told them before service that now my message today is a little heavier than usual for me, but I just feel so strong about it. These notes that I speak from are available for you in our Calvary FTW app. If you have a smartphone or an iPad with you, if you want to have that app open, you can see my notes directly for your viewing. So let's 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 talk about this. Well, how do I how do I be life-giving and not religious? How do I stay in the shade of God's grace and not legalism? Here's the first one that I want you to really think about. Live for God because you get to, not because you have to. Amen. Yes. Amen. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah. Boy, it sounds simple, but it's just not that easy for some people. Some people pray because they feel like they have to pray, not because they get to pray. They worship Not because they get to worship, but because their mama's looking and their mama's going to slap them in the back of the head if they don't worship. I grew up, boy, my daddy would look at me across the church. He'd go, lift your hand, boy, lift your hand. Clap your hands, clap your hands. I'm going to cut your hands off if you don't clap your hands. I'm going to cut them off. Clap your hands. Man, I thought he was like calling a play from the sidelines, you know. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're going to go to church today. I know you don't want to go. I don't want to go. But we're going because we have to go. Why do we have to go? Because lightning will strike our house and kill all of us if we don't go. It's just not true. true. But so many people wake up on Sunday miserable that they have to go to church. They have to give. They have to worship. They have to pray. Ladies and gentlemen. Life-giving, the shade of His grace, you won't wake up having to do anything. You'll wake up getting to go to church with the opportunity to serve, with the blessing of worship. There's a difference between having to and getting to. It's like, the old, it's like that old joke. Some of you have heard it a thousand times. It's like the old man that woke up on Sunday morning and was drinking his cup of coffee in the living room. And he said, I just don't want to go. I don't want to go to church today. I want to play golf today. It's, it's, I just don't know what got into me. But I don't want to go, honey. I'm not going. Thinking it was going to be a fight with his wife. And she said, baby, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> Trust me. Every one of us in this room have days that we think we have to do something. But here's the scary part. It's okay to may have, a, have a day that you think you have to do something. But don't spend your life living for God out of the feeling that you have to live for God. You get to live for God. The book of John The book of John tells us in chapter number 15, verse number 9, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me when you obey my commandments. When When you obey my commandments, this is what happens. You remain in my love. You remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, everybody get this now. Get this in your notes. I've told you this, that you may be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's nothing joyful about having to do something. But when you have the mindset that I get to do something, I get to remain in His love. My joy just overflows and I can't wait to worship. I can't wait to give. It's a pleasure to give liberally into the work of God. I don't have to. You know, Have you ever had that question at work or at school? Have you ever had someone say, Man, I would hate to be a Christian like you. You have to do all that. You have to give in your time. You have to go to church. Man, you have to do that. And, you know, there was a point in my life where I'd look at him and go, I know. It's, it's beating. It's terrible. But the more that I walk out of, listen, listen, the more I walk out of religion into relationship with Jesus the more I look at people and say, I don't have to do anything. I get to do what I do. I can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Amen. Hallelujah. There was no one, no one in the New Testament more religious than Paul. And someone might want to say, whoa, wait a minute. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You got the right guy. But before he started pinning letters to the churches and before he started writing these encouraging, life-giving blessings to people, this dude was religious. He was a student of the law. He was a teacher of the law. He was a leader in the ways of religion. He was on the fast track to being a part of the Sanhedrin. This cat knew the law from front to back and would call you out on it. If you weren't dotting your I's and crossing your T's correctly, he would call you out on it. But came a day that Saul, we know him as Paul, Saul was walking down the street one day and the presence of God got a hold of him and changed him so dramatically that he went from hating the things of Christ to giving his life for the things of Christ. He literally, over just a few minutes in the presence of God, went from being very religious to having a relationship with Christ. He knew the power of transformation so well that he was determined, I will never, Go back to what Jesus brought me out of. Amen. I used to be the guy that would call people out on if their, if their shirt sleeves were long enough. I used to call people out if I saw them watching a movie they wouldn't watch. I used to do this and that. And, of course, I'm trying to modernize it to give you a modern day version of Paul. Paul would call you out on every single thing you were doing wrong and never celebrate anything you were doing right. Paul was the guy that would take his sword out and correct you. And then he met Jesus. And he was like, I am done with that. He's been so good to me. (laughs) He's brought me out of that pressure. He has delivered me from that that pressure of, yeah. of having to be perfect. Am I? Am I? And Paul, Paul loved what God had done in his life so much. So he started then looking out for others. Right. He, if you got to get this. Everybody everybody with me okay? Everybody okay? Yeah. He went from looking at everybody to find out what's wrong with them to now. He was looking at everybody to make sure, don't go, don't go back to where Jesus found you now. There's nothing worth going back to. I've come I've come today to help you and I don't want you going back to that I want you to stay stay in this stay in this path of, of his saving grace Amen. so much so that on one occasion Paul heard he got wind that a church in Galatia had accidentally somehow or another Bible really doesn't tell us how it all happened but somehow or another they were spending time with someone maybe even a group of people they were spending time with someone that made their way into that church, and they wanted to impose, they wanted to bring back some of the old covenant rituals and practices to try to find favor with God. You got to get this today. This church was doing great, but then they started getting into the heat of summertime called legalism, and they started feeling the pressure of a few people around them saying, Yeah, it's one thing to to worship that way, but you know you better better do this or that or God's not going to be happy with you. And Paul heard about it, and Paul wrote a letter to the church. It's known in your Bible as the book of Galatians. Turn with me to chapter number 5. Paul wrote to them with very strong words. We receive spiritual life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by attaching yourselves to the Old Testament law. He defended the gospel of salvation by grace through faith apart from any works of the law. And he did so with clarity. Before we read the scripture, I'm asking you to turn to everybody look at me real quick. Paul was very clear. What Jesus did on the cross has given you freedom over these things. Number one, Calvary Church and Galatia, Paul says, number one, he's given you freedom from sin. Jesus' death has given you freedom from sin. you do not have to be a sinner. If you choose to be a sinner, it's on you. There is another way because Jesus made that way possible. Number two, you do not have to be a slave not only to sin, but you don't have to be a slave to the law. The law used to be how you got yourself right with God, but it's not been working out too good. That's why Jesus came and fulfilled that. You're free from sin. You're free from the law, and you're also free from fleshly deeds. And in Galatians 5, we read it directly. Verse number 1. My first point for you to write down today is, how do I stay in the shade of God's grace? How do I do that? Here's how. Live free, not as a slave. Galatians 5, verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Last Sunday, if you were here, raise your hand. Only reason I do that is just make sure everybody's awake. If you were here last Sunday, raise your hand. And if your neighbor's not raising their hand, say, dude, you missed it. Last Sunday, I said this like four, five, six, seven, eight times, and I'm going to say it again today. God provides the miracle. You get to participate in the miracle. This says... Jesus made you free, you get to participate by staying free. I used this illustration this morning in the earlier service. If if you were to have $5,000 credit card debt and your father came to you and said, I'm tired of seeing you write those $18 monthly checks to pay the minimum balance due at 29% interest. I'm going to pay that for you. Here's $5,000. Pay it off but it's on you to stay debt-free. This is what Paul's saying. Jesus paid your sin debt. You're free. Free. But it's up to you to maintain your freedom. Here's the Word of God. Here's the Spirit of God. Here's wise people around you. There's tools for you to use. Maintain your freedom. Let me tell you how we do it today. It matters who you allow to speak into your life. You've got some ears and everybody wants them. They want to tell you everything that you should be doing. And they want to tell you everything you shouldn't be doing. They're like the old ball coach of fear. They're like the old ball coach of intimidation. They're like the old ball coach of of, of finding out your weaknesses and exposing your weaknesses and, and, and just drilling down on everything you're doing wrong. Now, I had fun with this in the first service. And uh, I I noticed there was little response, but then I put it together why. I'm going to try it in this service and see if the response might be different. If you have a crazy uncle, raise your hand. One of those crazy uncles. Now, see, in the first service, they all go so far back together, no one raised their hand because the uncle was sitting on the same pew with them. (laughs) That group was hilarious. They went And I'm like, why didn't you raise your hand? <laughs> One person came to me when the service was over and literally said, I leaned up and tapped my crazy uncle on the shoulder and said, It's you. <laughs> literally. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, everybody, what does this have to do with this sermon? Here's what has to do with this sermon. All of you have a crazy person in your life that is so legalistic. That the only thing they want to talk to you about is everything that you're not doing right. The only thing they want to talk to you about is you're not dotting your I's. You're not crossing your T's. Uh-huh. You know better than that. Grandma raised us better than that. You know you shouldn't be. You know. you you, you know I, I know Pastor Tommy's cool, but that man, he believes in grace, and he doesn't believe in this, and he doesn't believe in that. You better be careful. You better be <laughs> here's the danger. Everybody listen to me. Hear me clearly. I make no apologies for it. You cannot give more weight to what your crazy person feels about your walk with God than what grace says about your walk with God. Everybody's got somebody that says, yeah, but you shouldn't be watching it. You shouldn't be going. Maybe you shouldn't, but it's not their place to be telling you in. The grace of God has you covered. And here's why I'm preaching the way I'm preaching. Because when grace comes into somebody's life, the idea that God has, it is for you to be balanced in the middle of His grace and mercy, not to swing too far to one side or the other. Let me tell you, what those, what, let me tell you where the danger zones are, okay? All of us golfers in the room, we have this beautiful fairway. That's where God's wanting us to hit. But there's hazards over here. There's hazards over there. It's not y'all. Don't, don't worry. Maybe we should do that. This is where we want to be. We can turn this political. We've got some crazies, and we got some crazies, but we got some balanced folks. Maybe we shouldn't make that political. Here's the will of God. When grace comes into your life... Grace does not say you can live like the world that God brought you out of. Grace is not permission to sin and be crazy. Man, uh, what you been up to? Man, I've been doing this and doing that. Cause of grace, baby. Grace has got me covered. It was not grace that gave you your DWI. It was not grace that gave you an STD. Oh, I'm real now. Everybody's like, preach, preach. preach. Oh, damn Oh, girl, give me my Twitter account right now. Past Tommy. Past Tommy. Past Tommy. Right now, somebody said we're going to the nine o'clock next week. So I know, I know, I know that brother didn't say that in the nine o'clock. And you're right. You're right. You're right. In the nine o'clock, I was like, God didn't give you osteoporosis. (laughs) Different crowd. Uh. Everybody say grace. Grace Grace is not permission to be crazy. That's right. That's right. But I can tell you the other extreme. Want me tell you the other extreme? Uh uh-uh, uh, they can preach about that grace, but I can't live like that, cause I've got to dot my eyes and cross my t's, and cause Grandma's looking and Uncle he's checking me out, and my former pastor steals on my Facebook and he sends me messages about this and that, and and I'm scared to death, cause I work with somebody that I used to go to, and if I do anything, and 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 and, and man, cut the crazy people out of your world, bro. His grace is sufficient. And let me tell you the act of grace that's most important. Grace will make you live more righteous than the law would ever make you live. Because now it's not because you have to. It's because you get to. I don't don't love God because I'm scared somebody's going to slap me. I love God because I know what he did for me on the cross. I don't give because somebody's going to check me out and make sure I'm Oh, man, I give because I want to. I want to move the same gospel that saved me. I want to. I want to propel it. I want to. I want our church to be at the best of the best of the yes. best. I give, man, because I've been changed. Yes. Are, are, you, are you tracking with me? Yes. So, everybody, say, Live free. "Live free, not as a slave." So this is what Paul said. He said, man, Jesus made you free, but it's up to you to stay free. You're going to have to cut some people out of your life. You're going to have to defriend some people. You're going to have to stop eating with some people. You're going to have to stop letting them in your ear. Why? Well, let's read on. Verse number 2. This is why. Paul says, listen, if you are determined, if you're counting on circumcision or the following of traditions, if you are counting on the traditions of religion to make you right with God, then Christ is not going to be any benefit to you. He goes on to say this in verse 4. If you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you're going to fall away from His grace. Verse number 6. When we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no more, there's no more benefit of following these traditions. The whole reason for the traditions, the whole reason for the law, the whole reason for all of the the lines that had to be walked was an attempt to get right with God. And Jesus knew that it was was failing miserably. And people were lost because of it. So God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son That would do what? Fulfill the law once and for all. And that's been settled. I I don't care what your uncle tells you. It's settled. Anybody raising any kids and you look at them after an hour of screaming and you go, that's it. It's settled. (laughs) That's what I feel like heaven is screaming today. Hey, crazy people, it's settled. You don't have to leave. (laughs) I'm just getting started. If anybody's on our podcast and they're going to hear that, they're going, oh, somebody was walking out. I bet it was over that STD thing. I know. That's what it was. Somebody left it over that. (laughs) <laughs> Why do you preach like this? Because verse number 7, this is where I'm wanting to get to. You hear the heart of a pastor in Paul. Man, it's, it's about to get a little bit tender with me. <laughs> Stay with me right now. Verse number 7, Paul says, man, you were doing so well. You were doing so well in your new freedom. You were, you were making strides and getting free from that crazy law. And I've heard rumors that you're wanting to go back to that. And Paul asked the question, who have you been been listening to? And ladies and gentlemen, verse number 8 is Pastor Tommy Brandon's struggle with a lot of people. Because they try to play a trump card that the church in Galatia tried to play. And Paul said it, and I'm going to say it. This is what they try to tell Paul. God Called us back there. We've prayed, and we feel God's wanting us to practice those laws again, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you why that's crazy. Because God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, will never contradict the Word of God. A lot of people in this room and a lot of people elsewhere are are are, are struggling mentally because they have not settled, settled, settled that this. This is your reset button, not what I say, not what uncle says, not what grandmother says. You don't need anything more than what this says and a few people in your life that will affirm what this says to you. And let me tell you something. A lot of people are messed up in this world because they get get around a cup of coffee, they get around in a Bible study, and all of a sudden somebody's got one opinion, another person has an opinion, and the next thing you know they're in a tug-of-war match of what, what someone else says is more important than what this says. I got news for you, that's false teaching, that's false doctrine, you better come back to the base camp. You better come back to ground zero. You better push your reset button. And what this Bible tells me very clearly, and it tells you, is that Jesus came to fulfill the very thing that someone in Galatia was wanting to impose again. They were wanting to take something out of the blood and deal with it again. But may I say, once it's covered by the blood of the lamb, it's covered. So don't pull it back out again. And the law was fulfilled by Jesus. I feel better now. Let's keep pressing here. Let's lean into this for a few minutes. Y'all okay to go to three? I heard one person, it was my mama, because she has to. Y'all okay to go a little longer? Okay. I'm going to keep you a little long, okay? This might be your last Sunday, but I got to keep you for a while. He says, don't tell me it was God. Why? Verse number 9. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Verse 10. I'm trusting the Lord's going to keep you. You're going to keep yourself from believing these false teachings. God's going to judge that person. God's going to judge that group of people. God's going to judge them, whoever they are who has been confusing you. Stay away from issue-driven people. Point number two for today. Live for God out of relationship, not by following rules. Your scriptures are given to you in your notes. I'm going to bypass them. I'm going to highlight them and summarize them. So your scriptures are there for your viewing. But this is what it says. Jesus Christ brought grace. Everybody say grace, grace. And, peace. and peace. The law does not produce grace and peace. Right. The law has no room for grace and peace. Doesn't produce that. It's impossible. There is no such thing as grace and peace mixed in a life of legalism. So if you're gonna have a cooler summer, you're gonna need to stay in the shade of God's grace and mercy, not take yourself so seriously, take God extremely seriously. Build your life on this Word of God and understand that you're a sinner saved by grace. And that will bring you grace and peace. But the law will bring you condemnation and insecurity. And it will make you never want to play the game again. Let me ask you, which, which son are you? In the story of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, when we know the prodigal son's story, oftentimes most people forget there was another boy in the story. Let me tell it to you real quick. So this wealthy man has two boys, and he has a whole bunch of people that work for him. One of the boys gets the idea, you know what, my daddy's got so much money, I know I'm going to have an inheritance. I think I want to have it now. Now. So he asked his dad for his inheritance. I don't know how the whole thing went down, but the dad ended up giving him all the money. Well, too much money at too early of an age. He did what all of us would do. He went crazy with it. And he goes out and he wastes all of his money on prostitutes, on liquor, on partying. And the Bible clearly tells you it got so bad for him, he was so broke that he ended up taking a job at a pig farm and ended up having to live with those pigs that he was tending to. And he came to his senses. He had a moment that he thought, this has gotten so bad. I wonder if there's any way now that I'll ever be able to go home to my father's house. I don't know if he'll have me. I've been with crazy women. I've been in bars and I've wasted all of his money. I don't know if he'll even accept me home. So he spent some time and he, and he, and he penned a, a forgiveness speech, this little words of repentance And he started memorizing that speech, and he thought, I'm just going to give it a try. I don't think there's any way at all he's going to let me come home, but I'm going to try my best. So he heads to the house, and the father sees the boy. And the Bible says that the father's heart was so strong for the boy that the father started running towards him. The enemy had the boy thinking the father was going to, like, throw the gate shut and put a padlock on it. You're not welcome here. But thank God that he tried because the enemy was proven wrong, and this father runs to him, grabs him. They're crying, and the father says, We got to get you out of their own nasty clothes. And he gave him some new clothes. He said, We got to get you some better shoes. And he put some new sandals on. His father gave him a new ring and said, You got to understand, son, not only are you home, but you're right back in your same position. You're my child. And boy, we love that story because that resonates with us. But you got to remember who Jesus was telling this story to. He wasn't telling this story to all of us that are sinners, all of us that have done things wrong. It, It seems like that's the story. but That's not. He was telling the story to a whole bunch of religious people. And he came right into the back door of that story and said, but then there was another boy. The second son, he heard that his brother that did everything wrong was welcomed home. And the Bible says he got upset about it. And you could tell if he was wearing a sport coat like this or something, he would pop his coat and was like, I can't believe. My brother has been doing all of this crazy sinful stuff. And my father welcomed him home? you got to be kidding me. I have been perfect. I've dotted every I and crossed every T. And the Bible says I have slaved for my father. I've worked to prove myself worthy of his blessing. I have done this and I have done that. And this guy is being celebrated? And the father comes out and says, what's, 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 what's wrong? Why are you acting like this? Dad, you know I've done everything right. I've not been there and I've not said that. I've not seen that. I've not gone there. I've been perfect. I've obeyed every rule and regulation you've ever asked me to obey. And you're celebrating that guy? And he said, son, he's, he's, that's, my, that's my boy. We thought he was dead, but we know he lives now. Can't you be happy for me? Can't you be happy for him? No, I can't be happy about that. That's not how it's supposed to be. The Bible clearly paints the picture of something dramatic that there was now an obstacle in the relationship. There was lack of purity and innocence of love between that boy and that father. Now that father still loved him, but there was an issue in the boy's heart. That made it different. And that issue was pride. And pride always goes before destruction and the fall. We don't know what happened to that boy. But I can guarantee you this much. If he never got that religious, legalistic perfection out of his heart, I guarantee you he had a tough row to hoe. Meanwhile, the boy that celebrated with grace had all the father had. Jeff and Denora, come, come help me today. Denora, I want you to come help me. Bring our team up, whoever's coming with you. I know it's a heavy sermon. But man, oh man, I want you to have a, I want you to have Freedom. And I look into all of your eyes today, and some of you, I speak this on a very personal level. I speak this on a personal level, out of love for you. Stay in the grace of God. And I know you might have some pulling you back but hear the words of Paul maintain your freedom Christ spoke to his disciples last Sunday let not your heart be troubled everybody in this room you just need to stay calm and live by faith and you need to stay in the shadow and the shade and the cooling place of His grace. Don't get out there sweating in legalism. It doesn't go well for you. I want our prayer partners to come quickly. I'm out of time. Prayer partners come quickly. And I want our audience to stand. I've asked my wife to express by music These powerful lyrics one more time today. This prayer time that we're about to have is completely generic. Everybody listen to me real quick. You don't have to respond to the message and the message alone today. This is our prayer time. If you have a need in your life, you have something you're working through something you're trying to get wisdom on if there's something that you just you just need to place it at the altar you know what I'm saying? A lot of times we have things that we just we just need to get it off of us onto the altar, we need to give it to God during this song because of the lyrics, because of the message of the lyrics of this song I'm going to ask you to take advantage of what Jesus has done stop carrying your burden give it to the Lord and then there might be someone here today that you might want to respond to the message that I just preached. Maybe you have, maybe your heart without never even knowing it, maybe your heart's been. See, let me, let me say this. Most people love grace and freedom when things are going right. But when a storm pops up, they feel like they have to be controlled. And in a, in a very weird graphic comparison, it's like those that have been abused. When they're free from the abuser and they find themselves not sure what to do, they would much rather go back to the abuser because at least that was controlling. It sounds as though it was like the children of Israel. They got free and they were making their exodus and they said, where are we going? Not real sure. We're just believing God. I don't want to live a life believing God. I'd rather go back and be a slave. At least I know I got some food to eat. Some of you might want to respond to this message today. And maybe you need to have a heart check and sever ties with that old yesterday pulling at you to come back. I've I've said enough. Let's bow our heads. And if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to respond quickly. We're out of time. I need you to partner with me. Respond quickly. Respond quickly if you need to spend time in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray over my friends today. I bless every man, woman young person, every family, every couple every business owner I bless every single one in this room every need they have meet their needs, in Jesus name we're going to worship for a little while the altar's open
0: there is a love that paid my way cost of life death it's bright my sins forgot. There is a grave that tried to hide this precious blood that gave me to cleanse my soul we yeah.
1: Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have finished. You have finished the control and the intimidation of sin and the traditions of men that attempted to conquer sin. Because of you, Jesus, it's all been made right. Right with God, righteousness is in you. And I pray this blessing over every one of us in this room that we will live in and through you. You've made us right with God. And by faith, we receive that. I pray a blessing of health and provision upon all my friends today. Let us have a cool summer. Let us not live out of fear and let us not get trapped in wrong conversations that plant seeds of doubt in what you did. But let us live free in you. In Jesus' name. Let everybody say a big amen. I love you guys so much and I bless you in the name of the Lord. Till next time, God be